Welcome to the Pine Island Experience Podcast. I'm Joanna Anderson with my husband, Trigvi. Each of our episodes will be conversations with fellow Pine Islanders. The goal of our podcast is to share with you our experiences, what we found to be fun, and what makes the Pine Island Experience so unique. The way I see it is, if I'm there for three hours, I'm in charge of your good time for three hours. Okay, so we're gonna have a good time for those three hours. Sometimes I gotta bring a kicking and screaming to have a good time, <laughs> but and sometimes it's really easy, you know. And but that's the whole deal. The voice you just heard is our guest this week. He is a singer, musician, and songwriter who has been entertaining Pine Islanders with his charms and great talent for audience participation. Mr. Rudy Cox. Well, Rudy, thank you very much for coming and talking to us on this podcast. We're really yeah. excited you're here. My we, pleasure. We love listening to you. Um, we've seen you quite a bit. Could we start at the beginning and maybe tell us how you got started um, as an entertainer, or even before yeah. that, how you just got started with music? Well, I, I'll, I'll go back real far. <laughs> the... the uh, the moment that I knew I wanted to be an entertainer, I was living in Chicago and I was five years old and uh, our family went and we actually saw BJ Thomas. Okay. I never saw whoever was performing. I know that it was the guy who was performing raindrops keep falling on my head. That's all I knew. I never, I knew nothing about it. And we were way in the back somewhere and my brothers and sisters are climbing on the scaffolding and they're looking at this. This, you know, whoever's up there, I mean, I never saw what was actually, I know the lights and, you know, just the crowd, whatever. And uh, I was like, man, that's a cool thing. Whatever they're doing, <laughs> you know, I had no idea. So, so that's how that started. And uh, that, that, that was the fascination, let's say. After that, it was, um, a fr- I mean, I always wanted to play guitar, you know, or I wanted to be a, perf- want, just wanted to play, just like music. I was 10 years old, my, my father was real sick. And uh, I think we were, we were kind of in an argument or something, you know, typical 10-year-old stuff, you know, and he's sick. And he uh, he bought me a guitar. And it's like, wow, you know, I, I knew nothing. I mean, no no clue as to what, the, I didn't know how to make a chord. But, um, you know, thought it was really cool to look, you know, to, I walked around the neighborhood with it, you know. I mean, people, you know, I, was, I look good, you know, so... And uh, that, that's kind of that's kind of how, how how that end of it. That was the fascination part. Actually, learning how to do it was you know I was about fifteen, and a friend of mine said, um, "Hey, you play guitar, right?" And I go, "Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, come on over." And uh, I quickly found out that I really couldn't play guitar, and uh, <laughs> but I could sing a little bit. So so that so that's how that whole that's how that whole deal started, you know. And, that, and then it was all about chicks, you know, it's all about girl, you know, girls, you're 15. What the, you know, so. so every little boy wants a guitar. <laughs> well, yeah, you will, you know. Do you remember good. the model by any chance? No, I don't think these were models back then. Ah. You know, I'm, I'm talking about the guitars. I think it was it was just a it was just a little 10, 15 dollar um, difficult to play um, little uh acoustic guitar three, three quarter size you know very very difficult to play of course i didn't know how to play but uh it, it wasn't anything expensive but but it did really get me going in terms of you know um 
you know, you, you, you learn these little things in your life, you know, when you're young, you know, and the right person teaches you, you know, and before you know it, you go, wow, that's, that, that, that's a connection. And I would dare to say my father taught me the first chord I ever learned. Cool. And which is pretty cool. He, he wound up passing away a couple years later. But, you know, so that was our, you know, I think that was a moment where we could actually connect, you know. So Now, do you play multiple kinds of guitars or other instruments or? Well, I wound up going to school to be to be a bass player. OK. And uh, so, uh, for instance, uh, if, you, if you see me this, this coming Saturday and uh, uh, I'll be playing with a band and uh, and uh, I'll be playing bass there. And uh so I play bass, I play acoustic guitar, I, I mess around with electrics a little bit, you know. Um, I was never a lead player, more of a rhythm player and mm-hmm. chords and things like that. And uh, and I sing a little, so, yeah. A lot of groups as a young kid or solo, or how'd you kind of get oh. get going? Well, well, back then, I was, I was a bass player. And... Uh, really difficult to play bass solo, you know, you know, out there by yourself, you know? So, uh, and yeah, I mean, I played guitar, but I was, but I was, I thought I was really good, but looking back, I was pretty bad, you know? And, um, so, so back then I, you know, played with a lot of bands and at some point it's just, you know, I, I just figured out that I wanted to write songs more than I wanted to do anything else, but it's very difficult when you're not that good of a player to actually go out and do the solo thing. So I chickened out and I wound up playing in different bands. And, but back then it was, it was, I mean, it really was more bands and more playing bass mm-hmm. and I would sing backup. Uh, I got a relatively higher voice so I could sing backup for women, you know, for female okay. singers, okay. which made me, um, you know, I mean, I can sing in key and, you know, and that kind of stuff and pretty high. So, Hey, I, I, I was sought after in that respect. You know, even if the bass playing wasn't there, I could sing harmony. You know? So, <laughs> so um, and then eventually it just transitioned, you know, uh, it just it just transitioned into playing more, more acoustic guitar and then, uh, you know, singing. So. Did that then kind of come hand in hand with the wanting to write or the creative piece? Yeah. More so than just yeah. playing and performing? Yeah. Well, you know, actually about eight years ago, um, I'll, let me back up. Uh, I moved here nine years ago. Okay. And what, what, when I, when I moved here, all I wanted to do was just play bass in a band, sing backup for somebody did not want to, d- d- didn't want to front a band or anything else. And, you know, I, and, uh, and, and I had written a bunch of songs. I didn't know what I was going to do with them yet. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, it does play hand in hand because the more you play acoustic, the more you play guitar, the more you write, the more you, you know, just kind of, okay. and, and when I moved here, or the band that I played in or the, the band that I tried out for already had a bass player. So they didn't really need a bass player. So I was just going to go home and there's like, well, wait a minute, but you sing better than all of us. So let's, you know, you know, maybe <laughs> so, so, so why don't you play acoustic and sing okay. so that, so that helped me, but that helped me get better as a guitar player too. And, you know, get a little more confidence with that. And eventually about eight years ago, I had no choice, but to go out and, you know, uh, do, do the economy or whatever. I really needed to go, play acoustic and play or play solos and I needed to get better. So I really, I forced myself, you know, pretty shy by nature. Mm-hmm. So, which is hard for some people to believe, but shy by nature. So I forced myself to go play solos and it was, it was uh grueling. It just killed me to go do it, but, but I had to get better. So well, that's, well, how did you get in? I mean, you would just get in. Yeah, did you just say I want to sing, or did you? I mean, how did you get get 
into the different places to play. You mean gigs or with yeah. bands? Okay, with gigs. You know, we when we got here nine years ago, we, we just moved back from, from Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I lived here pretty much my whole life and went there for a year and moved back here. And all we wanted was a tiki bar and and uh, and water and one of the humidity we wanted you know and white fluffy clouds outside as opposed to the the uh pollution haze we had in in the, in Dallas you know right. and um and when we moved here we 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 found the ragged ass saloon on a Thursday afternoon <laughs> we went in there and they had like dollar beers and that's about all we could afford at the time so we went in there and uh and we're watching these people play. They got named Tall Paul and Quincy. And they were out of Nashville. And um, I didn't know them. I had no idea who they were or nothing else. But we're like, this is amazing. My God, it's a Thursday afternoon. There's dollar beers. They've got a, chi- a, a tiki hut here. And, you know, and it's just, this is so cool. And I hadn't even found a band yet. I don't think I had. And uh, I spoke to Nisi. I don't know if you know Nisi there or not. But she, she, she had worked there for years. Okay. And... Um, so I said, "How? What? What? What does it take to get to play here?" And she's like, "Well, would you mind?" And she looked at me very sheepish, like, would, would, "Would you mind trying out?" I'm like, "No, not at all, not at all." And uh, so we showed up on a Saturday afternoon. Most of the band, I guess I wasn't a band. I was in a band called Old School Heroes, and half the band wouldn't play for free. Why I have no idea, but that they they felt it was beneath them to go try out. Right? Okay. They'd rather stay at their house and be the best house band at their house then go out and play <laughs> so wound up playing there uh, two or three of us and then after that they bought all of our they bought all of our drinks and our food and uh, for our wives that never happens and um and then i end i wound up playing there for the next three and a half years wow for the for the every like the every uh i think it was every the first saturday of every month you wow. know and other gigs too sure. so you know so it, it it's kind of like every other business that you start. When you start, at first, you got to go buy business cards. You got to promote yourself. You got to go out there and talk and shake hands, kiss babies, and all that kind of good stuff. And that's all that was. It's just promotion. And 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 the cool part about it is that, you know, um, once once they hear what you do, there's no competition anymore. You're in competition with yourself, in my mind, to be mm-hmm. the best you can be at it. And if you're putting on a show, if you're interactive. You guys have seen me. I'm relatively interactive. Right. You know, um, you know, it, it, most people don't, these people, most people are not that interactive, so they can be great at what they do. But, you know, you look at all the people around here who are really, who really stand out. I mean, you look at brother love, mm-hmm. how much more interactive can he be than quirky? You know, yeah. I mean, and it's just, and it shows they're, they're as successful as, 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 as you can be here. So, um, so that's how I got in. <laughs> so. That that's cold calls, really. You know, yeah. when you think, and that's what's hard to do. When you went in there and said, "What is it? What what do I need to do?" You know. Yeah. Wow. So you mentioned the connections. I think you normally do something like you seem to anoint somebody, like the band manager or oh. something. <laughs> How'd that get started? Well, you know, the reason why I started that is because you know, you know, back in school, uh, there was always like one kid who, you know, in like a classroom that, that was disruptive. So the teacher could either take that person and, you know, send them to the principal, right. Or, or, you know, or put them in a corner or they can let them clean the blackboard or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Or the, Mm -hmm. 
magic erase board, what, whatever it is, you know. And um, so I found over the years that if somebody really wants to get involved, I, I spot somebody who just wa- either wants to be part of the show or there's something or they did, they look like they have a sense of humor or they're good, you know. And, and I've got – so that's how that started. Okay. R- rather than – Rather than say to somebody, "Hey, shut up! I'm trying to do a song here," uh, and, I, and and I've done that, but rather than do that, I'd rather make you part of the show because even if people don't want me to talk to them, mm-hmm. man, they listen to every word going back and forth, and 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 I've got I've gotten better over the years at picking a person who will respond. Now now now, if I call somebody out and they're and they just die of embarrassment, oh, they're just <laughs> they just shrink, then then I'll then I'll leave them alone. Right, but it. Right. It works, you know. Yeah. Because it could think about this. It makes their night better. Yes. Because they're part of the show, and all their friends, they're gonna, you know, it, it makes a better time for that. And everybody around you, you know, it just, it just, it just worked out. It worked out. It was a big accident. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it worked sure. out once, and then he's like, "All right, well, this, you know, it's still spontaneous mm-hmm. because we because it just because it worked, yeah, you know, it worked. So, the, and that was a spontaneous thing. And if you do it again. May it be spontaneous, but it still worked, and you hadn't done it any other time that night. You know what I mean? So it just right. it works. Right. So you talk Long about the answer. grueling nature of solo performance. Talk a little bit about what it is to put your own material out there. It's one thing uh, to do a cover, right? But now yeah. you're putting out Rudy Cox, and this is something that I wrote, which generally is a very personal. I have to assume it's yeah. very personal. Yeah. Well, you know. I'm getting better at it. Okay. I'm getting better at it. And um, I've, I've got a group of friends here on the island that are subjected to hearing a lot of these songs, you know, uh, you know, Curly and Greer, people, names people know, Tammy, Tammy and Mike, you know, the last names we're going to leave out for now that way, you know, and uh, uh, Greg and Chrissy, you know, they've, they've heard a lot of these songs before they, before they were produced, certainly. And before they were out, before I even performed them out. And at first it was, it was. It took a lot of work just to build up to be able to do it. I mean, mm-hmm. I've I had started songs, started to play. Like, oh, never mind, I'm moving on. <laughs> you know, and that and now I make sure that I know them well enough to get them out. Okay. And and uh, and now people are finally, you know, this, this has taken a long time. People are, you know, they've had they're asking for originals, which is awesome. Yeah. Because because now now I think I've got a little credibility, not not a heck of a lot, but I got a little bit. Right. You know, with being a writer, and a lot of the songs now are uh, call and answer kind of things. So so a lot of times with the low key tiki in different places, I'll put out songs there that I've not really done yet. Certainly mm-hmm. not produced. Certainly not recorded. Right. But I go all right. Here's what it is. You know, uh, it's a new song, and I'm going to try it out. Let me know if this works, you know, whether it's a call and answer thing. Okay. Works. You know? So is the show in general somewhat scripted or you react to the requests? And so something like, for instance, and um, I've heard any number of people yell beer gut and you're like one song <laughs> in. And, you know, as, as an artist, you, know, you must be proud. I have to assume well, you're proud when somebody asks for your uh, original well, song. Yet you might be thinking that's something I'm going to play, you know, towards the end of the set yeah. or something. I mean, how does that kind of play? Or do you just react to what the audiences want? Well, full disclosure, I did not write Beer Gut. Ah, okay. Sorry. Man, I, I, I wish to God I did. It's we probably, thought you did. It, it, yeah, I know. I get that a lot. Um, well, locally, I think I'm the only person who plays it. Okay. And, right. and the first time I played it, 
the band, I mean, the band was a little skeptical, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but, but it worked, you know, it, and, and it's kind of grown from there. And I've seen the guys who, who, who actually wrote at a band called trailer choir and, um, you know, Hey, at this point I could get up there and do it with them, you know, and I'd be per- perfectly comfortable. Wasn't that comfortable at first, but yeah. you know, so as far as the show goes, I, you know, I've got a little roadmap. Okay. Okay. And it's not a script. It's not, I mean, I've got, you know, use an iPad and I've got songs there kind of in a row. I mean, I don't, even if I have it on there, it's just so that, you know, it's just a reminder of just in case I, my brain fogs up or something, I've got somewhere to go. But for the most part, everything is pretty much on the fly. And I've started off the night very slow and build it up. And I've started off because somebody said something or someone's talking real loud. I go, Hey, I'm trying to do a song out here, you know, and before you know it, you got to do something loud to combat that or whatever. And it's just, I mean, it's pretty much, it's just on the fly, you know, I mean, I mean, cause you know, the best made plans kind of go to don't right. go out the window right. because even if I've, even if I think I'm going to start one way by the time it starts, you know, well, and every audience is slightly different too. So you're yeah. just trying to meld in or adjust to the mood well, that night or their reactions or kind of, kind of, okay. kind of, okay. The way the way I see that the whole thing, okay, um, the way I see it is, if I'm there for three hours, I'm in charge of your good time for three hours, okay. So we're gonna have a good time for those three hours. Sometimes I gotta bring you kicking and screaming to have a good time, <laughs> but. And sometimes it's really easy, you know, and, but that's the whole deal. Try, you know, um, a, this story's probably too long, but uh, I met a guy named uh, a Papa years ago. I'll tell you the story, but um, kind of like a big influence of mine. I was, all right, I'll, I'll try to keep this short. You may have to edit this No down. worries. No, you don't have to be short. <laughs> well, you might have to edit this down. <laughs> uh, the deal is, okay, the, the deal is I'm going to school in Miami living in Pembroke Pines, a little bit north of there, right? And um, I went to, I, I was playing in Key Largo. And Key Largo, a uh, place called Coconuts, and I was in a six-piece band, okay? I was a bass player, two female singers, you know? I mean, it's just, you know, a typical dance band for back, okay. you know, we're talking like 1989. And I'm there, I'm a 145 pounds, you know, soaking wet, long-haired kid playing in a band, right? And um, this guy, this this enormous uh, uh, black gentleman you walked in right and and he and he and he's and he's acting like he's playing a bass and, and i'm just self-conscious not confident about it i'm like oh great this guy's making fun of me playing bass that's all i could think of, you know so he walked hey man I like what you're doing and i go yeah sure no no i really do he, he could he could spot it a mile a mile away you know i really like what you're doing wow i'm like, hey well thank, thanks a lot you know I, I, but i'm i'm not buying it so so then, uh, so you know, started talking to him. And this super nice guy, super nice guy. He goes, you know, hey, well, I'm I'm Rudy. He goes, call me Papa. And I go, I'm not calling you Papa. He goes, no, man, everybody calls me Papa. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not calling you Papa. <laughs> he goes, oh, we just laughed about it, but now whatever. So so come to find out, he was the bass player for a group called called Melvin and the Blue Notes. Oh sure, which, okay, which was a big group up north. I had never heard of him being, you know, living where I lived. So uh, you know, the Miami area, and. Um, well, you know, this guy's traveled the world over, you know, but in Philadelphia, which is where he lived back then, you know, during the wintertime, everything shuts down. Mm-hmm. So there is no live music anywhere. Well, uh, you know, being in Florida, you know, during the wintertime that season. So he was down there in a trio down there. Now, and this guy was just 
an amazing player, absolutely amazing player, fretless, but just, just incredible. And he's probably about my age now, you know? Um, so anyways, after a couple of weeks of talk, he goes, Hey man, what, what, why don't you come over on Sunday or why don't you come over Saturday? You, you will uh, play some. So, all right, cool. So, so come over about two o'clock. He gave me his address. He's living down the road. And, um, and I'm pretty much staying there from like Thursday to Monday night or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's playing music. So I drive around the block, you know, and I'm just timing it perfectly to get there right at two o'clock. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I've got my bass, I got my cord, I got my tuner. I am going to get there right at, cause I'm a professional now. Right. So I, you know, like 23 years old. So I pulled in the driveway right at two o'clock and, and he opened, you know, knocking the door, he opened, goes, man, what'd you do? Drive around the neighborhood. So I'll re- <laughs> so, yeah, I did. But, you know, so, <laughs> so automatically I'm busted. Yeah. You know, I'm just totally busted already. And uh, so, and, and, and it's funny because he was cooking hard boiled eggs. He put those aside. Goes, hey, let's, let's get together and play. So um, he sat down and he goes, well, show me something. You know, you went to college for music. You know, you, you know, you ought to be able to show me something joking around. I said, man, think about this. Okay. 23 here, you know. You've traveled the world 12 times over. What am I going to tell? What am I really going to show you? So, so he said, it, and, that, and that's a truth in a way. Mm-hmm. But he looked at me, he says, you know, your problem is you're not enjoying what you're doing. Oh. And he was absolutely right. He's absolutely right. The band was a band where uh, fought with a female singer who's, who's uh, dating the, uh, the drum. It's just, you know, just a, my first professional situation. It wasn't. It, I learned a lot. It wasn't right. a great experience, but I learned a lot. But what you know that that kind of deal. So he says, "All right, listen to this." And he played this thing. He says, "What do you think?" I said, "That sounds great." He goes, "That sounds good." I'm I'm accomplished. I can't play anything too bad, which is true. After so many years of playing, if you sound like you if you make it like you're trying to mess up, you're not really messing up by someone else who really can't play by those accounts. Right. Compared to that. So he goes, he goes, all right, you listen to that. He goes, now, now watch this. And he's jumping around, playing this stuff. He goes, oh, it sounds great. He goes, I played the same damn thing, Rudy. But your eyes told you, I told you that it sounded better. And I was having a better time or I was having a good time. Amazing. He says, so now is what I want you to do. I want you to go out there and I want you to entertain people and I want you to have a good time. I want you to go out there. You know, so, so by the time I'm walking, I'm going, yes, Mr. Papa, I'm going to go out there and entertain. <laughs> so then six months later, you know, it's, it's summertime and I'm playing in Philadelphia. So I took what he said to heart. I've got the wireless headset microphone and, you know, and I've got a wireless bass and I'm dancing on bars and I'm leading crowds, you know, and step by step, you know, all these songs like that, these dance tunes or whatever. And I'm up there entertaining. So I'm there in this club called, uh, um, called from the Adams Mark Hotel. And th- this club will hold 2000 people. So on the left, so there's two doors, one, you know, there's two, two, two double doors, one left side, left side, you know, I'm looking you know, from the stage and the left stage the biggest silhouette, this guy's a very heavy man, very tall man, very yeah, the biggest silhouette you ever saw walked in. And it's Papa, and he's walking up to the stage. Oh my God, that's what I wanted you to do. Oh, that's great. And he slaps you. Oh man, that's just I'm so proud of you. That's amazing. So that is how I approach entertaining them. Interesting. Because 23 years old, I had that experience. And um, you know, you can't buy that. No. So, he changed Amazing. your life, didn't oh, yeah. he? He was yeah. your, like, would you say your his, your biggest influence? Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I really would because you know, prior to that, even on stage, I was pretty laid back and shy. And after that, I started playing bass like a, like like a lead bass player. You know, <laughs> you know? 
Maybe not well, but I played right. it, you know, right. so. Well, that was my question for you yeah. is how do you get the crowd to to entertain with you? Because they do you that when we watch you yeah, perform. You ask, them, you ask them to. You ask them to, you know. You, you know, everybody wants to have a good time. I mean, no one goes out with the intentions of being bored or, or being miserable, you know. If you go out. You're there because you want to forget about your day job. You want to forget about the other crap in life. And you want to go there and have fun. So, you know, I could say that experience kind of taught me that whole thing. It's like, you know, don't don't bring your personal life to work. You know what I mean? Especially if you're playing music, you know. So if, so if I am having it, you know, I have a bad day too all the time. Trust me. You know? <laughs> but hopefully that it never comes over, you know. And, and if you can... If you can make people's day just for that hour or two, I mean, come on, that's that, that's that's success, you know. So that's how I look at it. I look at it as for those three hours, you know, uh, I may be a, a little obnoxious every now and then, you know. But and you know and you know and and uh, I know I've gotten better at dialing back when I need to, you know, and change it up, and you know, um, yes. But that 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 obviously had a big effect on my life. So I look at those three hours. Or whatever it is. All right. Well, we're going to have fun. Yeah. And if you don't have fun, it's not going to be because I should, I, sh- you know, I try it. <laughs> you know, I, sh- I try it. So it's, you know, it's, it's on to you at that point. So. Well, unfortunately, we're in COVID right now. And I know you did a lot of uh, Facebook live things mm-hmm. and accepted donations for those people who are out of work or struggling to make ends meet. Kind of how did that get started? I got a day job. So I'm making money. Uh, I didn't. I never skipped the beat, you know, mm-hmm. or missed the beat, whatever, you know. Um, so, but I felt real. I mean, I've got a lot of friends that are professional musicians or servers, or yes. you know. And uh, I felt bad taking money. Well, I, I wasn't going to do any Facebook Live stuff at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't going to do any streaming thing. Uh, I, I did. I really didn't feel that I was good at it. You know, because it's uh, it's one thing being in a crowd that's one right. thing but when you're playing to a little dot on a camera you know <laughs> that's a whole other deal so I, I felt bad at the prospect of taking money out of this the system right mm-hmm. for other musicians or other people who really were counting on it so i didn't do it and i started getting requests from people hey listen where you been you know uh, all these other people are doing it when are you going to do it you know and a lot of these people were still up north and it's still darn cold up there and they're all locked in, in Vermont places like that or New right. York or wherever and they're miserable up there because they're everybody's locked inside and they've still got snow you know and uh I mean we're really blessed where we're at we could ride a bike or whatever Absolutely, the heck you know yeah. or go on a boat and um so 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 I try to figure out all right if we if we do this and, and it was a big discussion between me and my wife and, and some friends of ours, Mike and Tammy uh, Smanderson, you know, h- how do we do this if we're going to do it? And uh, I think we all kind of came to the conclusion that if we're going to do it, then we'll donate the money. Excellent. Yeah. So, so we did it. We did the first one and that was relatively successful. I mean, it was uh, difficult to do. We learned a lot, you know, when you do something new, you learn a lot every time. Right. So uh, internet speed, the upload speed is the important thing. Okay. Right. Uh, we didn't know that. We know it now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so we did the first show, and that went well. And like, all right, well, let's get a little more money. And then we did the second show, and uh, man, nerve wracking. But all right, got a little, got a little more comfortable with it. And we could not find anybody to donate the money to. Called people, stopped by places. God forbid you stop by a place back then. You right, know, you right. Know, um, 
couldn't find, I mean, emails, no one returned a phone call, email, no one's not, not. So like, so a friend of ours, actually Amy from, from the Loki Tiki, she said, uh, she was, we were somewhere and uh, we saw her somewhere any anyways. And she said, uh, yeah, you know, I, I just gotten a check from, uh, um, Matt Lachey or Pineapple Matt Lachey strong. And it's like, what, what, what's that? You yeah. know? And, um, she told us, so we contacted him and they were very happy to have us, you know, ha- you know, cause we were pushing it. So a lot of times money came to us and it went t- to them. And a lot of times it just went directly to them and we didn't care how it happened as long right. as they got the money. Right. So, and you just did one another benefit Sunday and raised money for like 3,500 oh, yeah. yeah. for Alzheimer's. So you're, you're yeah. really into, well, you know, it, that that was for the Southwest Florida Parrothead Club, mm-hmm. and and they they do a benefit. Well, they do they do benefits all year or, or things all year round. I mean, it, it's basically a charitable club, and the whole idea is you party with a purpose. So if you're going there, yes, you're all going to party, but you're still going to. The whole idea is to give back and to do some sort of charitable works. So this thing on Sunday was supposed to be a pit stop party. The the, the pit stop parties are the weekend before another big event. Uh, which is the first weekend of, of November in Key West ca- called Meeting of the Minds. So that's the whole idea is all these musicians coming down to go to Meeting of the Minds the weekend before they can kind of take their time, right? You know, they can stop here and, you know, kind of build it up. And um, this year there's no pit stop party because of COVID and everything else. So the club decided that we can still have a party and it's a 25th, anniversary or birthday yeah. of the club so hey let's let's have a party and yeah wound up raising thirty five hundred dollars for, for the club or for the for the for the alzheimer's association and it's awesome i mean i look me personally i look for those events because i realize you know uh, i'm blessed to be able to do what i can do and you know there's other people who would give their left arm to be able to get up there and just entertain i you know and i you know i feel like it's it's worth something you know i mean it's worth something as in you need to give back. That's yeah, that's awesome. So, so you mentioned a few of the venues on the island. Um, what attracted you here full time to Pine Island? <laughs> oh man, what other did, than the tiki huts that yeah. you mentioned two or three times? What made you come across the bridge <laughs> oh, and entertain what, here? What didn't? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, we got like I said, we we moved here from Texas, and uh, we lived in Northwest Cape. And God, we were just looking for a place. I mean, all we wanted, you know, after being landlocked for so long, just right. a place to go see people and, you know, tiki bars and this environment. And we got here and uh, eventually, you know, we found found the ragged ass. And, you know, I think back then we never hung out any other place. It was just the ragged ass. And over time, we branched out to different places. And, uh, you know, what people thought that we lived here, you know, and we mm-hmm. didn't. But people thought we did because we were here so much. And eventually we got our boat here and it's just an 18 foot pontoon boat, but we discovered, right. you know, we're out there. Uh, we, we had a park that we had a, a, a Cindy, Cindy Wallace was a really good friend of ours. And we had it back prior to her having a boat. We had it on her lift. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so we come out here and oh my God, just, it's just amazing. This is like living in a resort, you know, and, um, and, and, and a lot of it, I mean, you've got the water, you got the bars, you got all that, but a lot of it's just the people. Yeah. You know, we found that you could be hanging out, talking. I mean, if, there, if there's a group full of people, you could have multimillionaires hanging out with uh, CEOs, hanging out with uh, fishermen and crabbers and shrimpers and uh, mechanics and welders. And uh, you just don't know. 
You just don't know. And it doesn't matter. That's mm-hmm. the cool part. It doesn't matter. No one cares. You know, that's just, that's just awesome. I mean, that to, to me, it's like there's real people here as opposed to so many other places we've been to. And people, you know, it, it's so I guess really people, I guess to, to, to boil it down, it, it really just comes down to the people. So. I mean, there's that. There, there, there's certainly the entertainment, but uh, you know, as 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 you mentioned, I guess before we went on microphone, but you know, there there's so many characters on the island. <laughs> there's there's so many people with stories that uh, if you ask someone how their day went, or you know, you know, and it and they start really talking talking to you, you never know what you're gonna get. You right. know, so uh, it's just amazing. You know, what one of the things we like to do is we we yeah, I mean. We, I don't live on the water, but um, I, but I live close, <laughs> <laughs> closer than you did before. Oh, much so, much so. And and uh, and, and you're right. Just to be able to get on a golf cart and go down, check out the water, the waterfront, or or you know different places, you know, uh, the Loki Tiki, um, Woody's. I guess it's mm-hmm. going to be Woody's for a while now, or again it'll be Woody's, and then who knows? Who knows? You know? Oh yeah, yeah. The I see the construction. Froggy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but 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 to be able to do that and and. And to know that that's the norm in a way, that's pretty neat, you know. I mean, I think um, a lot of the one of the things when we first got here last September when we moved in, I had all these dates booked, and I couldn't be here for like this golf cart rally, this golf cart thing. Right. I was like, oh crap, you know. So, you know? <laughs> so hopefully we planned a little better this year. And okay. then as I planned better, COVID hit, and we we're not able to do them, but you know, or they weren't planned this time around. But. Um, because you play all over Southwest Florida, you're not really you're not exclusive to Pine Island, correct? Yeah, well, you know, um, I play played the, uh, I, I I dialed back what where I play. Okay, but but uh, I'm starting. I'm playing at the playing at the Navigator Grill. Okay, okay. I used to play at at, at Finns places like that. Uh, uh, back in the day, we played at Doc Ford's things of that nature, okay. which I don't do now, but but we did. Yeah, and uh, playing um, Riverside Grill, which is a little more. Punta Gorda area, sure. yeah. uh, places like that. You know, uh, a friend of ours, Sticks. You guys know Sticks, the drummer. Okay, for for Brother Love. He mm-hmm. told me years ago. You know, I asked him, "What? Why do you only play on the island?" He goes, "Well, I play some places every, you know, every now and then." And well, why do you focus so much here? He goes, "Well, because I can." <laughs> 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 okay, fair enough. Good answer. And, yeah, and um, <laughs> and, and that's truthful. There, there's a there's enough places to play. You know, uh, on the island or close enough to the island, or sure. the the, uh, the old fish house, I play there a yeah. lot. Yeah, and uh, I think that that's probably my favorite place to play on or in Mat Lachey. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, where else can you go and order a grouper sandwich and and uh, and they go into the kitchen, cut it off the fish that their boat caught. I mean, you know, that that's as fresh as it gets. You know, right. and um, you know, you can say that for a lot of places on the island. You know, and. Uh, it's a cool place. So yeah, I, I play other places. My enthusiasm for playing other places, so many other places, is, is waning. But uh, but I also realize that I still need to keep playing off of the island to keep my name out there in, okay. in other locales. And uh, you know, and I'm coming out with a new CD, so so I'll have to go play those places. And you know, and it's nice to see those people anyway sure. that I haven't seen for a year or two. You know, but uh, but probably don't need to. Rudy, could you tell us about some of your songs and the inspirations behind them? Well, the first one, of course, is Last Call. Just Last because call. it's top yeah. 10, A1A, everybody it, wants yeah. it. All the bars are doing <laughs> it, right? Right. It was actually it was actually on the charts for two and a half years. You know, it was it was number two twice. 
and uh, I'm sorry, number one twice rather, and um, and it was it was picked up by, by Lyle Wilson from Radio A1A. It started playing it at the end of his show, and that's just you know. So it, it's in that in that trap rock world, that song, you know, was a it was a bona fide hit. Uh, if it were in the terrestrial radio station where, you know, I, I may have made money off of that, you know, right. so I put it out there without zero intention. It was like, all right, fine, put it out there, you know, and it was put out the first week of 2017 and it was a write-in and, and they were blown away by the fact that no one had ever heard the song and people, you know, they're like, wow, you got a lot of, you know, a lot of friends and family or whatever. You got a great bass and I do have a great network of people that i've played for play you know and it, it was just amazing to see the you know and then that that not, now everyone's heard it but um i wrote that song i had played with a band i shouldn't mention any names but i played at this band a place called the san carlos lounge okay san carlos lounge is not um it's not a country club okay it's a uh it's like the dregs of society go there <laughs> when they've been kicked out of the other bars okay ah, seriously okay. It's a smoky bar, and I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't smoke anything, okay? And it's just not my kind of place whatsoever. I saw there were people in there with ankle bracelets, and, you know, I mean, <laughs> and I'm not talking just the bartenders. I'm talking a lot of people. Right. And it was just like, it's it's just not my kind of place whatsoever. And they booked a band for $300 for, for, for a five-piece band for four hours. So we're all making, you know, chump chain we're all making 60 bucks a piece no one's there are no tips i mean no one no one's tipping anybody right so you can't make it up that way i'm the only singer the monitors are horrible and i'm not controlling them so i can't hear myself okay so i i'm playing with two of the loudest guitar players who really wanted me out of the band because they wanted to sing like i didn't want to be in you know i was doing it because you booked a gig with me anyway anyway so i lost my voice i couldn't talk but I could still sing because you use a different part of your voice for that. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, so at, so at one o'clock in the morning, I'm going, Hey everybody. Good. I'm singing it. You more or less. All right. We're out of here. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. And they got Rudy. We got another half an hour. I'm like, what are you crazy? Oh my God. Are you, there's no way. So I, I was like, I was, I was livid. So, but all right, let, let, let's do it. Let's get it over with. You know, we, we're, we've come this far. So, um, about 1.20 at night, the bartender said, hey, can you yell last call? And I said, yeah, I can. As a matter of fact, I goes, last call, because I couldn't say it. I could sing it. Oh, so I said, it's last call. And someone said, it's last call. It's last call. I don't care who you know. Get the hell out of here, whatever, that, that, that kind of thing. <laughs> wow. Then, and then, then, then um, you know, it happened again. I'm like, wow, crap, there, there, there might be a song there. So... Everyone else, they weren't doing much when I was singing all night, except, you know, so I went outside when they were, when we were done, couldn't talk, but I wrote it all. I started writing it out, wrote out, I wrote out what I could. And then I went into a studio about a year later. So I had the song sitting there. It went out about a year later, went in, it wasn't successful. And I canned that. I, I'd, I'd recorded 10 songs and I hated it. Canned that. And I went to, went to another friend, a friend of mine said, Hey man, just, just send them over to me. Send me whatever you have. All I could get was last call. So I emailed that to him and and uh, hey and he mentioned to a friend of mine, wow, Rudy's stuff is really terrible. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> I can't everything's out of time, everything's out of time, this and that. So he reprogrammed it and, and it and gets the song's good, but the recording is just horrific. Okay. So he redid it and 
And uh, and I didn't like it at all because it was trap rock sounding. It sounded like Jimmy Buffett stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it was just too mm-hmm. far, just too far that way. And and now I think it was great, but at the time it's just too much for me. So it sat there for six months, done. I'm like, all right, let's let's finish it. Let's 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 send it out there. And I sent it out to a friend of mine named Dave Burks who who worked for Radio A and A. And and he says, all right, Rudy, what you need to do is I'm going to put it in the system. Now, it's up to you to get votes, though, okay? You need to have people ask for it, that kind of stuff. And it was number one. And the following Sunday morning, they're like, oh, this is, this is interesting. Uh, I never heard of this guy before. <laughs> and I never heard this. I, I, again, you know, we're playing the song now, but I had no idea who this uh, This is. The, this is pretty wild. Um, Rudy, I hope you're listening. But it, number one, last call. I was like, holy crap, who's this guy? You know, so that's how yeah. it all started. Very cool. Wow, that's a great so, story. Yeah. I know... Still Your Man, of course, is yeah. Michelle. When well, did you write that? Still Your Man, I, I wrote probably, I, go, I wrote that about five years ago. Nice. And, I, you know, I don't write anything. I don't sit down and write on purpose. It just hits me. And, you know, Michelle and I have been through a lot, you know, going through the crazy economy stuff of 2007, 2008. And, you know, and it really kind of came down to one of those Sunday mornings where we see and think, wow, after all of this, hey, I'm, I'm still your man. But it's also, hey, you know, you're allowing me to still be your man after all this. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, let's face it. I mean, every couple goes through, pro, or you know, uh, good times and bad times, and especially, you know, during 2008, 2000, you know, during the, the, uh, the Great Recession uh, a lot of couples didn't survive that, and uh, and we survived it. And I dare to say we came out stronger in the end, you know. So that was about that. I I wrote that song, and one of those songs that you know I write a lot of songs, and I kind of forget. I don't not that I forget about them. They just put them back somewhere. So one Sunday morning, probably I was sitting there before she woke up. I'm just going through my voice memos, and wow, this uh, and I'm looking at it. Hey, this thing's uh, two minutes forty six seconds. That must be a song, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Had no title back then. You back then you couldn't name, or I didn't know how to name a voice memo. You okay. Know? And um, so I listened to. I'm like, oh, that's right, you know. And uh, I played that at, at a pit stop party, and uh, uh, Harry Tiford from Radio A One A, and a friend of mine and Gary Lindblom, uh, they were watching me do this set in front of a couple hundred people, and both of them had it written down. You know, uh, what's this one? Still your man. Cause they had never heard it. And that's why it made it on the CD because they were like, all right, that's, that's, that's a couple song. That's, you know, so that's did you surprise happened. her with it or no, I can't surprise Michelle nope. anymore. She, yeah, you've she, been married she, to <laughs> well, she, she here, you know, she, she, she hears me. Right. She, and you know, Michelle's the kind of person that I, I can show her songs and she'll go, not getting it, <laughs> not getting or or yeah okay all right I'm I'm you're you're getting there you know or uh, oh, wow that sounds just like the other one you wrote so move move on as you know and Michelle's a great uh, barometer for uh, what's you know she can tell me if it's if if it makes sense or not and you know I've shown her songs before where you know if she didn't get it I somehow magically dropped it and I'd never heard of it either you know so you know it's just the way it is and strong woman sounds like it could be your mom or it could be women you know well, if you if you listen if you listen to that it starts off about my uh, uh, my little brother was a barroom brother just south of Tennessee it's really talking about his wife who is tough as nails she is 
you know, I joke about her being mean, but uh, she's got a mean streak in her, but she loves my brother to death. And she's she's the kind of woman who basically goes, put that down. You're not having that again, okay? <laughs> just, a, just a piece of, I don't care. Put it down. She's that type, you know? And uh, Sharda doesn't play around. She really doesn't, you know? So I was thinking about just that whole dynamic, you know? I mean, uh, we, we've had... We've had a good relationship and a contentious relationship, but she loves my brother to death. And the reality of it is my brother needs a strong woman in his life to mm-hmm. basically say, you know, enough, you know, enough of this, you know, you know. And frankly, so, so have I. And Michelle, Michelle's not a very loud person. She's a very strong woman and she doesn't take any crap from anybody, you know. <laughs> you know, uh, my mother had 10 children. Oh okay. So, you know, and... Uh, she, I wouldn't say she raised them completely on her own, but but wow. essentially her first husband wasn't wasn't the model husband, and you know neither was my father, you know. So you know, um, just thinking about that whole thing, you know, women put up a lot of, you know, and yeah, hey, listen, you know, guys put up a lot of crap too, but you know, but women put up with a lot of stuff, and you know, I think a lot of, for for the most part in life, you know, I think men are better as a result of having a woman in their life or a strong woman in their life. And, uh, and it's a good thing. So takes a strong woman. Yeah. In 1953, what's the significance of that year? Yeah. 1953 was the year that Elvis really came on the scene and that changed America, probably changed rock and roll and music. Uh, it's also the year that leave the beaver. I believe he was, it wasn't out then, but that's when it was set. I believe, oh, okay. I believe it was set for 1953. So, so after going through a crazy time during that during that wacky recession we had back in 2007, 2008, uh, I took a job in Texas and for as a business development person. And uh, you know, I took it as a salesperson, uh, estimator salesperson. But what I found out very quickly is that Mexican people from Mexico, especially in that environment, they're not real loud, you know, as compared to your average American who's just, you know, growing up where we grew up, you know, you got to kind of speak up, you know, and if that's not really their culture. It's, it's more polite, you know. So so there I wound up being a, a, the, the business development person. But we didn't like where we were, but but we're there for a year, you had a year commitment. So we're there and we're, and we're setting up the music room upstairs and um, and uh, we're not really enjoying it there, you know, because it's me and my <laughs> wife, you know, it's cold. There. My God, yeah. is it cold. There. It, 2010 when we were there. Okay, and uh, that was the year that the uh, the Green Bay Packers in Dallas were playing. I think Dallas was playing. Anyways, they uh, at, at the Super Bowl, and um, I'm probably wrong about that. Someone will tell me later. But um, but that was the first year of the new stadium, and ice sheets were coming down from this metal building, maiming people. You know, because they never they'd never had it before. And Dallas doesn't have a lot of snow, but boy, that year they did. And for us being essentially being Floridians, it was a lot of snow. <laughs> And so, so, so we're setting up the music room, just not, just not enjoying ourselves away from family and everybody else. And we're, so we're upstairs, a spare bedroom and, um, setting it up. And there's a little 19 inch, uh, little, little flat screen TV that, that, that we had there in that room and leave it. The beaver came on and, and the lat the, all the crud for the last two years just went away. And we sat down and watched that. And, you know, and mom loved every mom was loving. Dad was still smart. Mm-hmm. You know, everything went to hell in a handbasket in a half an hour. Everything was fixed. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Everything was by the end of it. It was all great. And then after that, I Love Lucy came on. 
And it was like the second greatest half an hour of anything, especially television, that that, that I'd seen in year, a couple years. And everything went away. So I looked at Michelle. I said, God, things were so much better back in 1953. She says, well, we're still in Texas, you know, 1,500 miles away from everybody. We're freezing. And then it's going to get hot. So, you know, so she walked out of the room, you know, she went downstairs and I wrote the song. And within 20 minutes, it was done. Yeah, and, amazing. And I tweaked it. You know, sure. You know, tweaked it, but that—that's pretty much that's pretty much the bulk of it. And, and most of those songs that people connect with, they—they they all happen very quickly. You know, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's a great song. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Well, you tell us about Nashville. I was reading on Facebook where people uh, said, um, "Why don't you go see this guy?" And you said, "I'm working." <laughs> I remember <laughs> reading that, uh, but it—it it sounded like you—you you were having a ball working uh, in Nashville. You know, I, I tell you, well, here's here's what I with that. Um, People from MFG Records saw me do a show, another charity event that we had done uh, called called the Trop Rock Dance Party. The whole idea is we were raising money for this or that or whatever. But the whole idea was that uh, it's a big show. It's, it's another Trop Rock event. Most of those are a charity event. No one makes money. You know? so, uh, but but they saw me perform there and uh, they, they approached me afterwards. And they own a studio up there and they own one down here too. And um, went up there. After about nine months of talking to each other, finally went up there and, and the whole idea we were going to record. They set up the right musicians, you know, for my kind of playing, my style of music, whatever. Went up there, got up there on a Thursday or Friday night, rather, like 11 o'clock at night. By 930 the next morning, we're setting up. 10 o'clock, the musicians show up. And I it was the most intense musical thing I'd ever been through because within... 10 out, I'm sorry, within six hours, we had recorded 10 rhythm tracks that sound better than anything I've ever done before. And it's just that these guys are just at such a different level than certainly I am, you know? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, just a whole other musical level. These guys are all, these are the guys like the Carol Kays of the world we mm -hmm. talked about, you know, the bass player, the, the Wrecking Crew, whatever, you know, or those, uh, the, you know, the uh, um, Motown band, James James. I mean, these guys are the guys that, guys and women, who do the master's classes on how to play your instrument. They're just incredible. And play, I play the song one time through, they would read the chart. They'd okay, talk about a few ideas, had no idea what the heck they were talking about. <laughs> and, and then they're, they're ready to roll. It's like, Oh my God. I'm thinking, Oh, we've not argued about it yet. We've not played it for six months. We've not, or a day or nothing, you know, and they just knocked it out. I mean, just incredible. So, People were asking me, you know, um, was I going to go do this or go to that? I'm like, oh, my God. I, I mean, by the time dinner rolled around about seven, eight, eight o'clock at night, I mean, I, I had such a splitting headache from the intense, wow. the intense focus on what we were doing. It's like, oh, my God, this is like, you know, the sugar drop or whatever. you know. <laughs> but I mean, it was so intense. And it was like the greatest headache I'd had in a long time, you know, because it was it was just such a cool thing. The next day, by nine o'clock, yeah, Sunday morning, nine o'clock in the morning, I'm I'm singing on nine o'clock in the morning, wow. which is pretty rough, and uh, just singing, you know, not not the real vocals, but just singing the, um, you know, rough tracks, let's call it. Um, and it was great. It was great. After that, did more guitar stuff, and it was just such a cool experience to go up there and to have that caliber of player, you know. I mean, like I said, certainly the best of the best. Certainly people that, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I sing and I write. It's funny because none of those people sing and write. 
So they're, you know, they're, they're, they're marveling at what I can do. I'm like, you guys are just filling my head full of crap because I, I'm hearing you play, you know, <laughs> you know, so just, 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 just amazing. Just amazing. So, so yeah, it was pretty cool. And you were having fun. Like your advisor told you to. I mean, we're having fun besides oh, the splitting headache. Oh yeah, I had a great. T- like I said, it was the best splitting headache I'd had in a long time. Okay, seriously, it was the greatest time, but it was the most intense thing you could you could go through or that I had ever been through musically, and it was great. I mean, it took. I felt. I, it's funny because Sunday I was exhausted, you know, and and all I did was just play a guitar and sing. It wasn't anything physical, you know, and and it was just, it was just, it was great. I mean, trust me, I I had a wonderful time, but it was certainly intense. And uh, so, yeah, it was great. And what about the CD? (laughs) When does that come out? Can you announce it yet? I can't announce a date yet because we we haven't quite gotten that far. Next week, I'm going to go in and I'll do the the vocals for real and I'll do backups and stuff like that. And uh, so, so there's still that whole process to do. You know, uh, I mean, I, I sang scratch vocals, meaning scratch vocals are like, all right, so everyone knows the roadmap, where this, where we are in the song. I just sing it through one time. And if I mess up a little bit, no big deal. It's, it's not forever. Okay. This time I go in and, and it'll be, you know, it'll be, I'll practice, you know, top my lungs for an hour and go in and, you know, sing it for real and everything matters then because it'll be there forever. You know, once it's right. done, it's done. That sounds so. intense too. Probably can't wait. Can't wait though, you know. So I'm I'm hoping for about a month or so now, but but we'll see. Okay. And does it have a title yet, or is that still in process? I think I'm pretty sure it's going to be called called Living on an Island. Very aptly named, you know. So, uh, you know, this CD is a little more tropical. I mean, we live here, you know. Um, It's a little more uh, kind of kind of done in a happier place, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're my, you know. Have you guys ever heard that, you know, if you answer a phone and you're smiling, it, it, it comes across, right? Yeah. Well, I would say this, the same thing. You know, if you're um, if you're recording and you're you're happy and you're smiling and you're, you're it, it's not under pressure, you know, it, it comes across differently. You know, and a lot of these songs, there's probably there's probably six, six, six maybe seven singles on this, you know, and uh, which is pretty cool. You know, usually it doesn't go that well. You know, mm-hmm. so. Uh, and a lot of them were call and answer kind of things. And, you know, I've written some songs with a guy named uh, Alvy King out in Texas. I've never met Alvy, but oh. but we got connected together somehow. And uh, through a, a DJ from uh, the owner of uh, from Radio A1A hooked us up. And so we started writing songs together and, uh, you know, pretty, pretty cool stuff. I've read where you said it was trap rock, country and Smoky bar jazz. Oh. <laughs> is that is that is that really? Well, there. Okay, the last we we had all the songs figured out. Which one we're gonna do? We had we had we had like twelve. The whole idea is you go in like a pre-production meeting and you talk about what songs you want to do. So I I brought in like twenty eight songs mm-hmm. and just played oh, twenty eight. Wow. So I write a lot. So I read in like twenty eight <laughs> songs and uh, or something to that effect. Anyways, and. These these are the ones that I'm thinking about, and we're just going through, and they're making notes on this one. Oh, yeah, maybe not, you know, you know, and you can tell the ones that come over, you know, ones that carry and the ones that don't. Right. So, um, so we whittled it down to about I don't know, fourteen, then then twelve, and then the last day, I go in and we're gonna write charts, and that basically what that means is we're gonna go in and we're gonna write the charts for the music that we're gonna play in a okay. couple of days in Nashville. So. 
I go in, I go, all right, and I got a surprise. He goes, oh, what's this? And he says, well, I, I woke up the other, I don't know, just the way it hits me is I write the music and everything in my head all at once. So I had this song hit me, and it's called Stuck in Her Ways. And that's more of a smoky little, it sounds like it's in a smoky little jazz bar somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Um, and that's and that's that song. And it sounds like a little, it's a little jazz, it's the most jazzy thing that I've ever written. And uh, I played two chords of the song. Goes, okay, cool. Uh, you, <laughs> you've not heard the rest. I go, no, I'm sure it's good. I'm sure it's good. I will, I'll play a little. You know, see, and they're like, oh, it's cool. It's great. So, so, so we wound up doing that. So, and that song's pretty cool. We, uh, we did, it's very, very simple, but it's about the story. And, and, uh, we, we had the, um, uh, we got, uh, the, the, the I forgot the guy's name. They got the utility player. He, he's the, he, in a big band, a utility player is somebody who plays like 80 instrument, whatever, you know, one of those guys, he just plays everything under the sun. Okay. And he, and there's a little, there's a clarinet on it. I don't ever dream of a clarinet on any of my songs. Right. But, and it doesn't sound like anything like last call on the other tunes, but this guy came in and he's got a little solo on it. And it sounds like, you know, smoky jazz bar somewhere. And so. Oh, can't wait to hear it. So, well, hopefully you feel still that you, you feel still that we well, still feel that way. <laughs> no, no. Hopefully you still feel that way. Yes. When we, yeah, we'll see how it goes. So. Well, you've been very kind with your time. Any ca- do you have a calendar in your head? That may be an unfair question about any, uh, upcoming gigs where people can catch you. Obviously, mostly yeah. on Pine Island. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I'm not sure when this is going to come out, but you know that this weekend coming up is a busy weekend. Jumping Fences, my band. Is finally getting back together. Okay, wow. and and we'll be playing at the Low Key Tiki on, on Halloween. Like I said, I'm not sure when this is going to okay. come out, but 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 we'll be there for Halloween, uh, two to five. And um, I'm at the Low Key Tiki every at, at the first Thursday of every month. Okay, yeah, we've and, seen you there quite yeah, a bit. That, yeah, those and, have been great. And the and the and the rag and the um, the um, the old fish house, mm-hmm. the second Saturday. And, the, and and really the best way to find out where I'm going to be is either on my website, which is rudycox.com, or it's it's Facebook. Friend me on Facebook or or, or follow me on Facebook. It's even better. Yeah. Um, and the um, and the same thing goes for, for Jumping Fences. We're, we're playing some gigs at Seacraft as well, which is a place in North Fort Myers and some things of that nature. So we're all over. This should be a very big year. Despite the whole COVID thing killing everything, this should be a big year musically. Good. Yes. Excellent. So, Excellent. Oh, it's been wonderful chatting yeah. with you, learning about you. We learned so much. Well, thank, we well, didn't thank you know thank about. And we certainly enjoy yeah. when we get to see a show. So oh, yeah. uh, we're being yeah. a little extra careful with COVID, but yeah. we'll try to get out. So, but thank you again. Oh, thank, well, we thank did, you for having me. We just, we saw you down at Woody's not too long ago. That was, that was a lot of fun before they yeah. closed for their remodel. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see how that goes. I'm not sure they're going to have live music again, but uh, oh, they should. I, well, I totally agree. They definitely, <laughs> we'll definitely to should. Tell them they definitely should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, oh. I can hear them now. Well, those three agree. <laughs> now we'll do it. <laughs> so, oh, well, thank you so uh, much. Oh, well, thank you. My my pleasure. Well, we hope you enjoyed our Pineland Experience podcast. If you have any ideas for us, people to interview, or any comments please feel free to email them to pineislandexperience at gmail.com. That's pineislandexperience, all one word, at gmail.com. Don't forget to like us, and you may subscribe to this podcast using all the major podcast catchers like Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening, and remember, island life is a constant vacation. We'll see you on the next episode.